Well, good morning. I've noticed that some people went away from the front row. I must be like, it's getting warmer. Am I like smellier? I don't know. But anyways, welcome to Center Point Church. My name is Aaron. Uh, I'm the pastor here. Thanks for checking out our one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our goal here is to do what any good church should do or Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your personal relationship with God. Our style might just be a bit different than other churches in the area or what you're used to, but we are still true to the Bible and take God very seriously. Today we're continuing our series, or this newer series that we're calling Voices. And when we talk about this series, we're talking about the internal voices in our heads, as in our thoughts. Uh, because our thoughts, they're powerful, right? They, internally they can change our perspective, they can impact our decisions, they can influence what becomes habitual for us. And sometimes we can become trapped by our thoughts, unable to control them. They can be full of anxiousness, negativity, characteristics that sometimes just lead up to straight-up unhealthy thinking. So in this four-part series, what we're, we're doing is we're, we're getting tools that God's given us to combat wrong thinking and what God actually wants us to do with our minds and thoughts. It's because, honestly, I know I need his guidance on this, and I'm guessing you maybe do too. This week, we're talking about comparison thoughts and voices in our heads about ourselves when we see others. It's the voice in your head that tends to just compare your life with another, right? The voice that diminishes maybe what you think your personal value is or how you think your life matches up to theirs. For example, it's maybe the voice that says you're not as successful as so-and-so because of the things you, you, you own or don't own. The newer, the bigger, better thing that that person has that you don't have. It's the voice comparing yourself to maybe the other mom or the other parent in the room that, that appears to have the perfect kids with the perfect outfit, the perfect angle, the perfect photo on Instagram with the perfect filter. Could there be a few more perfects? I don't know. Probably in my mind, right? But when you compare yourself to that perfect person that you see, you think, like, I can't even get a photo. Like, this is the photo I get. Like, you can't even get a straight-on shot, you know? You, you're just comparing, and you think you're nothing. It's the voice that says uh, the person you see in the commercial with, with that good-looking bod or that accomplishing that, that hard workout effortlessly or you feel actually has time to work out is better than you because you're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, you know? Like, it's, you're comparing these people. It's the voice in your head, like when you see that fake TV show marriage or that fake TV show family, and you're thinking, that's what my needs will look like. And if yours doesn't look like you feel like you're doing everything wrong, it's comparing your staycation to that Jamaication that others are taking. It's the voice saying your job is meaningless while you feel others are doing the most purposeful thing. It's the voice inside that says, you are not enough, you aren't as good, everyone has better. Have you been there before on these type of thoughts? I have, but honestly for me, instead of better, uh, the voice for me is always, I need to be the best. I compare it to be the best. I usually allow comparison thoughts to take over myself at times. I, it started even at a young age. Uh, I joked in the family, like, uh, where we'd get gifts from people, uh, and I'd be like, what'd you get? Like, to my sister, what'd you get? Oh, $40? Hmm, I got 50 
quit swearing. You know, like I compare to be like, Grandma must love me more than you. You know, like I try to like call her out on those things. Or uh, like now as an adult, it's like hunting. I'll go hunting with my, my, my wife, Sydney. Her family's really into hunting. We go as like a group of guys on opening day. And then like you hear the gunshot in the first hour. It's like, bang. And I'm like, it's my stinking brother-in-law that got a deer, I'm guessing, again. What have, I, what have I seen? Nothing. And then he sends, like, the text, like, I got a 12-pointer. And I'm like, yay. You know, like, I got nothing. Uh, and that's how I feel. My, my lawn is a new one right now. I never thought grass would matter to me. But, but I, I want my lawn to look good. But I want it to be the best, actually. And now I compare myself to every other neighbor, thinking, like, Theirs is better. Theirs is better. Why do we have a dandelion? You know, I'm like freaking out about something that doesn't really matter. To get a bit more serious, like it's the parenting and the success of our child. Like I suddenly dropped, like she dro- she started walking out like how many months? Like, yeah, it was like super early. Or, you know, like she's like bilingual now. And like we were watching a commercial the other day. She pointed at a Harvard thing. So I think that's where she's going to go. You know, like I like call things out. Like, and I try to like compare to others. It's checking to make sure I'm more successful or think I'm more successful than my friends from high school or whatever. I do the calculations in my head. It's, it's even with being the most frugal at times. Like when someone's like, ooh, you have some nice things. I'm like, well, it was 50% off on Facebook Marketplace. And like it just, I got like a super steal of a deal. And I feel like it's a Midwest thing actually. Like you're saying like you got the best for like the cheapest. I don't know about you, but I tend to compare myself to others. And sometimes it's the reason I buy, I say, act, or do things. I do. Some may say like, well, what's the harm in this, right? How big of a deal is that? But the issue for me personally is this comparison that I'm doing of others, those are the thoughts many times driving me to make decisions in life on how to not just be a better parent, a spouse, or a physically fit person. I have to be the best. I have to have the best. And I have to beat that one person. And I go off of what I see in that other person. Those are the things driving me to that next thing, to the better, to the best thinking I need to be different, thinking the grass is greener on the other side, like literally at the neighbors. My comparison thoughts of others, they set the standard for me. They are setting the standard for me. They drive what I think my personal value and the reason for working is, which is bad because it's not God. It's not God. I'm doing things and I'm finding meaning in worldly comparisons. And the result of that is I'm never satisfied. After I get that thing or I quickly like find something else, like instantly my mind's like, ooh, I need this now. I got to add this into it. And my mind fixates on that and I compare it to it. It's like I'm band-aiding joy, my satisfaction, and value for life. I feel like I'm filling a spiritual longing in my mind with a material or worldly longing. Have you been there? Have you compared to others and found yourself thinking, you are less, you're not as good, you have work to do, and been jealous, right? Have you found yourself like always having thoughts for more, better, bestest? I don't know if that's a word, but honestly, I think we've all been there to some extent, right? And I think the majority of us would say, we don't want to deal with that voice. It's fun for a while, but it's also robbing us of joy at times. It's not allowing us to be content at times. It makes us feel we are, at w- are the worst or always thinking about more and we're never satisfied. The constant thinking and desiring of what others have and devaluing what you have to offer, it's depressing, right? It's depressing because you will always find someone 
Who has it better? You'll always find it in your mind. The fastest way to ruin an amazing blessing from God is to compare it with someone else's. The fastest way to ruin an amazing blessing from God is to compare it with someone else's. Well, God addresses this in the Bible. And throughout this series, we've been using Scripture and specifically the words uh, and actions of Paul uh, to help us take control of our minds and think the way God intends for us to think. Uh, If this is your first Sunday of this series, uh, what you need to know about Paul is Paul wrote lots of the Bible. He wrote lots of letters to form what churches are even still to this day, but some of the first churches. Uh, Paul gave a ton of direction on how to renew and change the way you think. And Paul also wasn't God or anything. He was fully human. He just had a deep connection with God. He was a master at taking control of his mind and thinking how God wants him to think. But a few things you maybe don't know about Paul is Paul was single. He was kidless. He was not praised for things in his lifestyle. Or he wasn't sought after from others. He didn't have things. He wasn't a verified Twitter user or anything like that. His vacations were basically to do ministry in other towns, sleeping at someone's house, not, as, not a sweet Airbnb or anything like that. No one wanted Paul's life. His life was stinky. I hope that's okay to say in church, but his life wasn't that great. And since he is human, this means he was also susceptible of thoughts of comparison and of wondering if he has values just, or has value just like we do. Paul didn't have what a lot of people would say is desirable back then, and he still doesn't have what a lot of us would say is desirable now. But we're going to read how even in the crummiest situations, he's content and he kept going forward with his lifestyle because it had value. So how? He tells us in Philippians. In Philippians, it's this letter Paul writes in prison to the people of Philippi. And he's encouraging them to keep faith. Keep doing what you're doing is what he's saying. And we're picking up actually where we left off last week when we talked about anxious thinking. Uh, So it's in Philippians 4, and we're going to read 10 through 14. And it says this. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. He's saying he was content and whatever he had. That's what we're talking about today. Let's break this verse down just a little bit once. So in the beginning, Paul says, he, Paul says that he thanks people's care for him. Thanks for caring for me. He then learned to be content no matter what the situation was. He realized he can do all things through Christ, meaning he realized I can be empowered by God in tough times. And then he acknowledges that sharing and telling someone what they've done in his life is important. He gives thanks. I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul, in prison, hungry, lonely, that is not the type of thinking I normally have, right? That is not natural. I would be yelling at the Philippians. I would be like, like kind of depressed towards them, like, help me out. I want you to get me out of here. I want what you have. Like, help me out here. Wouldn't that be you, right? If you're writing this letter to them, Yet Paul intentionally changes the way he thinks. He doesn't let the voices of his desires, his comparisons, or his personal value of himself 
dominate the way he thinks. He's trained to counter what's normal. I don't know about you, but I want, I want that. I want to be content. I don't want to want. I want to be like Paul. Wouldn't that be just so freeing, right? To not have, like, to want the newest, best truck or family or bot or whatever it is. Or hypothetically speaking of on all those, of course. Those are all things I actually want. Um, to not want more, right? To not compare on what you see in that person uh, and think, I need that. To not compare what others have to that you don't. Well, as we've done throughout this entire series, we're in week three, we've been doing a little brain teaching, uh, teaching about the brain. And I'm no neurologist, but there are some basics we can learn to find out what's natural versus what Paul does to think better. Our brains, what they are is they're hardwired to compare, to judge, and assess others. It's something within us that actually is part of who we are to survive. Uh, What happens is we walk into a situation in our brain, it goes into what's called like cognitive reflex. And it instantly starts to compare and decide what to do next. This is helpful. Say you, let's say you walk into a meeting, you're like, all right, I got to sit professionally. I got to do some head nods. I got to look like I know what I'm talking about. You know, like that's kind of like your brain is assessing those things and doing those things when you walk into a meeting. When you walk into a church, like you, your brain might be doing like, ah, I got to say good morning to people. I got to be a bit somber sometimes. I got to be like, make sure I say amen once in a while in the service. I hope those aren't things that you're thinking when you come in the church. <laughs> that is not the type of church I want you to be totally yourself. So know that um, that's what type of church we are all about. Um, but let's say you, you walk into a room full of moms. Your brain says leave, right? Like we got to get out. Like your brain says certain things in certain situations. In all these situations, I'm kind of being silly right now, but your brain, it immediately starts going through your memories to find out other experiences that are similar and then helps you figure out how to respond. That can be helpful in moments of work and awkwardness and stress. When I uh, met my wife, Sydney's parents, I drove three hours to meet them just for dinner. I thought that would be like, all right. They're going to like this. Yeah, you know, like, that's really honorable, right? But I'm like, I was really in the mountain biking, so I'm like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to mountain bike, try to make a little day out of it. So I, I mountain bike, but I'm totally going to need a shower because my brain's saying, you're going to be stinky, Aaron, if you mountain bike. you got to make sure that the parents, like, think you smell good. They probably wouldn't be a bad, that would probably be a bad thing if they thought you smelled bad. So anyways, I get there, and I, like, tell, my, tell Sydney, I'm like, I, I got to shower right away. So I walk in, and I actually have, like, a couple shirts because I, my brain's going to scan where I'm at. What's Sydney's dad wearing? Is it a tank? Is it a polo? Is it a button-down? So I got like some shirts like based off of what I see him doing. And then I'm going to shower and change my shirt based off of that. And my brain is just doing this. Well, it was neither. So I just like picked one. It was the wrong choice. But sort of the right choice because we're married now. But anyways, um, but that's how your brain works. It scans what's going on and assesses in that situation. But not only does your brain compare situations about to each other or to a situation, it compares to each other, to people. It uses your knowledge of people to help you understand yourself. It compares you to others. You see others and you, are init- you instantly are comparing yourself to others, and psychologists call this social comparison. Again, in Sydney's dad's situation, I was uh, uh, like another time we were sitting at the dinner table. I was like, all right, Aaron, this guy is manlier than you. Don't say something stupid about guy stuff. 
You know, like that's what was going through my head in that moment. Like, don't do something dumb. My brain was assessing that. And that's how our brain works at times. You compare someone and you assess whether you're better or you're worse based off of them. When you compare someone to that, it's either called upward social comparison or downward social comparison. Our brain, it does this on its own. I know you've felt it before. I know you've experienced this before. So when you walk into someone's house, you see their marriage, you see their house, you see their kids, you see what they have, you see another's life, your brain just naturally starts to compare without even trying. We're hardwired to judge. Those who don't have a desire for something more or for a connection with God, those who are just kind of living day to day are used to judging. They're used to comparing and finding your value and, and not in all of a bad way. But if you're here right now and you're feeling this void of like, I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know if I should be comparing. Like it's not what you should be doing. God tells us why. He tells us why we're probably feeling that way when we compare others. Uh, it says this in John 15, 19. It says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Meaning, when you feel that unrest in the world about what everyone else does, that means you're feeling this connection with God. You're being called towards God. Our God doesn't want us to judge. He doesn't want us to compare Jesus tells us, don't judge. So what are we to do in those situations? We're to do as Romans 12.2 says. This is a verse we've been using for this whole series. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern that what is the will of God. We are to renew our minds, or in other words, train our minds to not compare or to not judge. So let's go back to our passage we're looking at today and see what Paul says about this and what we can leave with today on how not to compare the way we tend to. Uh, it's, again, 10 through, through, through 14. I'll read it one more time. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances is what Paul says. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet, Philippians, it was good of you to share my troubles, is what he says. So the first thing I think we can see that Paul says in this passage is, Paul says he learned how to be content. Do you know how to be content? Being content is the state of mind. It's a state of mind that is a choice. It's a choice of being at peace. It's being joyful, thankful, peace with what you have. It's choosing that is how you can be content. When you go through a moment of comparison and judgment, you need to learn to not let someone else's perspective change how you feel about yourself. I don't know if you've, you've heard the expression like uh, a glass half full. Has anybody like heard that expression, half full, half empty? Who's a half full person? Who's a half empty person? Like, you know, like that's like the debate, right? Um, so now you've, you've heard this perspective. Uh, you've heard this, this dilemma, but it's a matter of perspective, right? Like let's say you're this person that, that has a glass. Sweet. 
I got a glass, right? Like, I can drink some water. Like, you're on a desert. You're like, this is amazing. I got a glass to drink water, right? And then if you're like, your perspective is like, I got, I got some water. This is awesome. I'm actually really thirsty right now. That's amazing. I'm glad I got a little sip. Like, this is so awesome. And then, like, your perspective could be like, oh, this is half full. What? Way more than that other one. This is amazing. It actually is amazing. It's a choice, right? Your perspective of it is a choice. You could be like, oh, no water? Little water? Half empty? Seriously? It's a choice. It's a choice of how your perspective is of that situation. Choosing to see the glass half full versus half empty, it's a state of mind that you can choose. Hebrews 13, 5, it says, keep your life free from love and money and be content with what you have. That's what God says to us. Be content with what you have. What do you have that you need to choose contentment on with what you have? Again, uh, on stage here, I do my best to, to, to follow God, but I do my best to also share some of my, my flaws or mess-ups and be a bit vulnerable to you. So I'm going to share this one. I have a friend on Facebook who, who travels a ton, um, and it seems he, like, he goes to all of my favorite places. I see like the, ins, the, snap, or, like, the stories of it. I see the pictures of it. I'm like, what? You went to the Tetons? What? Sweet. You went to Vegas? Awesome. Like, you were in Jamaica, like, back to back to back? Because my wife and I, we love to travel. We just haven't found a ton of time doing it lately. But we did a month or so ago. We got to get away to Florida for like three days a few months back, and it was amazing. It was an amazing trip. I loved every second of it and was content. But now when I compare it to my buddies that I see on Facebook, I'm like, why do we bring the in-laws to that trip? This looks way better. Why do we bring the baby along? That looks way more fun. Why didn't, why didn't we do that airline? They always do upgrades. Wait, what? They have matching AirPods? What? We didn't even have AirPods with us. What? And I start going down this hole instead of choosing to be content with the trip that I already was content about. I had to quickly remind myself how amazing our trip was that we did. You tend to forget the blessings you receive from God the second you compare them to others. So we need to renew our minds in choosing a perspective of being content with the things we have. What does that look like for you today? Is it choosing to be content with your family, your job, your car, your hobby, your financial situation, your clothes, your equipment, your fitness, your looks? I'm not saying settle. I'm not saying settle or ever have a goal or upgrade. No, you don't have to settle and drive around a car that has a piece that falls off every other day. But call out your spiral thinking of when you start to be uncontent with things that you know are perfectly good. My wife, uh, she does this thing that I like, kind of make fun of her about, but I think it's an amazing example of, of taking in what you have. What she does is at night, she, uh, she scrolls Instagram, like we'll be laying in bed and we're doing our thing, getting ready for bed, and she's scrolling Instagram or Facebook or whatever. I'm doing the same. And then like, I look over. Does anybody else's wife or spouse do that, by the way? No one? Come on. All right, all right, so some of y'all. So they're scrolling, you're hanging out, you're looking at uh, these pictures. And then I look over, like it's about time for bed. And I look over, and she's looking at pictures of us 
and her photos on her phone. She's scrolling through them, and I see her do this like once in a while. <laughs> you know, like kind of like a cute giggle. And I look over, and I'm like, what are you doing? And she, what she's doing is she's looking at her own pictures. She's looking at her own experiences, her own things that she's done, and finds joy from those. She ends her day with joy, being content with what she's experienced and done, not wanting. What is it that you need to do to change your thinking to be content? The second thing we can see Paul does is he trusts God will get him through the times of most need. Uh, the verse that is really popular is, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, right? That was part of our passage. You probably have heard that. It's a very popular verse in the Christian world. In those times you compare yourself to others, you feel you're never going to get in shape like that other person. Or there's no way my marriage could get better or ever like get me fixed. Or there's no way, like my kids are too far lost. Or my, my chance at purpose is lost. Or my life is going nowhere. Or I don't know where my next step is. Those are thoughts that you compare to others, and when you are at your weakest, weakest of those moments, Paul's been there, and one specific time he says, when I'm at my weakest, that's when God can come through. It's in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. It says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Are you doing that? Probably not, right? Like, I, I'm definitely not doing that. Like, when I'm at my weakest, I am not thinking, sweet, this is awesome. Like, I'm at rock bottom, this is awesome. No. But when we compare and we feel that we are at our weakest, worst, at rock bottom, as a Christian person, you can actually have a perspective of positivity on it. It's your wake-up call, right? That you need the power of Christ. You need the power of something besides yourself. People who don't follow God tend to compare just like we do and look at what most have and what they have or don't have and what has worked for them or not. And a lot of times, after they've done that and try to change things, you're kind of out of luck, right? You just got to keep trying. As a Christian person, you honestly can change how you think of your situation and future when you compare to others and think you're at your lowest because then, through Christ, you could be healed in that moment where others maybe don't have that perspective. Things could be restored for you. Change could happen for you. Peace could be possible for you. You have hope and the power of Christ with you as a Christian person, which is powerful. You're not just relying on your own ability, but the miraculous and the power of God. Today, if you're, if you're at your lowest with God, are you giving God a chance to lead? Are you giving God a chance to lead? Are you following the promptings of God? Are you letting the promptings of others who are faithful guide you? As that's a huge part of how God communicates, right? Letting God lead means you act on them even if they aren't something you totally want to do. Are you even giving God a chance to direct you by praying, by going to Scripture, by attending church, and just being around people that can give you that wisdom? That's how you can get through those rock-bottom moments. So again, the second thing we see Paul does is he trusts God will get him through the times of most need, especially when he compares and realizes he's at his lowest. If you've never experienced that before, of having God help you get through those toughest times, of having that extra strength, 
No, you can. It's just starting a relationship with God. It's saying, I know, like, you might be skeptical of, like, that it will actually solve it, but know that you actually do have God's power in you when you are connected to him. When things aren't going your way, that is something that can bring you hope. That is something that can get you through a tough time. If you want that, simply tell God that. I've messed up. I want your direction. I want your wisdom. I want your power. And strengthen me through this time, this weakest moment of my life moment. Help me get through it. That could be huge for you. The last thing we see Paul does, that Paul does during times of comparison, is he, Paul praises others who are greater or in a greater situation than he is, right? He was praising the Philippians for what they did. Paul told the people of Philippi that their value to him. Instead of complaining to him, he praises them. To some people, like, giving compliments like this is weird, right? To be like, thank you so much. You're amazing at that. Like, when you see something about yourself and, like, praising someone else, it's kind of weird. Like, you feel like you're, like, this guy, like, kind of doing something. I really like uh, the, the yellow part of that hula hoop. Because when you have it this way, it almost looks like a really big necklace. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Thanks. I like it a lot. Thank you. That hula hoop kind of looks like a necklace. What? Lamest pickup line ever, right? But, like, but still, it's like when you can give a compliment, it doesn't have to be awkward like that. It doesn't have to be a pickup line. You can give a compliment to someone, to anyone, especially when you see that maybe they have something greater than you. Now, a compliment or telling others what you like or desire about them it's what Paul did, right? He thanks the people of Philippi, and we see it's this encouragement that when they like said, like, Paul, thank you so much for what you've done for us, Paul says, thanks for that encouragement that you gave me during that time. That's what our passage looks at, times Paul's thanking them, and that Paul's receiving thanks from them as well. When we have that, when we compare others, their looks, their stuff, their family dynamic, their skill, praise them for it and you see what you like, praise them for it. It can be so hard to be, like, it's hard to be cynical and be negative about what people are doing when you praise them for what they've done, right? It's hard to not be content with yourself or your situation when you're uplifting others, when you're giving others praise. Not only that, but, but praising others, it forces your mind to be positive. It opens doors for conversations and understanding how they got to where they are at. It encourages them to, in times that maybe they're experiencing lowness. It's hard to devalue yourself when you're honestly praising others. If you see something you like, love, praise it and maybe learn from it. If our comparing thoughts are something that naturally happens to all of us, all people, I think following these three things from Paul that Paul does they will help us have times where we can find value in ourselves and not have us devalue who we are uh, or where we are at, but take control of our actual thinking. Again, Paul was content. Paul trusts God in his lows and weaknesses. And Paul praised the others that he saw when they did things that he kind of desired. He learned values from them. Which one do you need to work on this week? For our last three minutes here, I want to get really practical. Uh, as we've done as throughout this entire series, is we have been in this four-part series, and this is our third week, and we're working on changing the way we think, right? To think the way God wants us to think. The first week, what we did is we, we thought truth. 
we thought truth of what God says about us, meaning think what God says about you, that, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, think that, that you are more than conquerors, think that, think that you are loved, think those things. Those are things from Scripture that God says about you. That's truth. Last week, we wrote truth. We wrote it down of what God would say about maybe an anxious situation, of how we can get through it. This week, I'm challenging you to confess it. I know that's a weird word, scary sometimes, but it's to confess it, meaning say it, verbalize it. Confess God-honoring thoughts as in out loud. It doesn't have to be weird. It can be in your car. It can be in a room. It can be like, it's not like, I'm not making you do it now. Don't worry. Um, But confess truthful thoughts to yourself, to God, to a close friend, a spouse, or whoever. Replace the negative comparison-like thinking and replace it with the positive. For me as a pastor, I, uh, I'm confessing a little bit to you right now. Uh, this would be what I'm going to say as my confession for, to change my thinking is uh, I think about churches a lot. And I'm, how, what I'm confessing is I'm saying I'm doing my very best to lead a growing church, to grow, help people grow in their relationship with God, but sometimes I compare how other churches are doing to ours. And that comparison drives me, not God. I confess I need God to help me recognize my value no matter where other churches are at. That's the confession I make so that I don't compare myself to others and I'm speaking truth so that I'm aware of it. What is it for you? What is it for you that you need to confess that maybe you're comparing about? Is it confessing that I don't need more stuff? I'm confessing that, you, maybe you need to confess that I'm content with this thing. Maybe it's confessing that you're in this low moment and declaring truth or trust in God in that lowest moment or that low weakness point. Is it confessing to others, like telling them the value that they've done to you? Like you've realized like, wow, they're, they're amazing. I want to learn from them. Confessing, saying, you've, you've done some amazing things. Can you teach me? I want what you have. Teach me. Compare, I like what you have. I want to learn from you confess that to them. We're changing the way we think in this series. So we're going to think it. That was our week one. We're going to write it. That was week two. And we're going to confess it, meaning say it, to change the way we think through this four-part series. And we have one more next week. As part of this series, uh, I'm giving you also a few midweek resources as gaining control of our minds. It's a process, right? It's something that you have to keep working at. But the hosts, what they're going to do is they're going to be back there and they can give you this, this Bible verse card. I know it's like probably the churchiest thing in the world, a Bible verse card. But I, I, I hate churchy things actually, unless there's a purpose. And I think this purpose is substantial because we want something to remind us to change how we think. So this week we're looking at the verse, um, it's those last two verses of our Philippians passage. It says, I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I hope that's something that will be a reminder to you. Now, another way we're partnering through this series is we're sending out a weekly inspirational, like two to three minute video of who God says you are. If you want that, you can fill that Connect card there in the seat in front of you. Um, just write your name and check that newsletter, and you'll get that this week. we got one more left of that, so you can get that on Wednesday morning to help you think the way God uh, wants you to think. They're inspiring. With that said, I'm going to close us with a prayer in a second here uh, and pray that God helps us not have comparing, uh, comparing like values or thoughts in our mind that bring us down a negative path, but lead us to thinking the way Paul thinks. 
Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for everyone that's here today. Thank you for uh, giving us some examples of how to think. Uh, I pray that some of us, we, as we compare ourselves to others, that we can find value uh, in, in who we are, understand our personal values. But God, I pray that we can act on making sure that we're following through with the things that Paul did so that we can have our thinking be more honorable to you. Help us do that this week and help us be aware of what it is that we need to do. In your name we pray. Amen.